Where do you find your help? That's one of the primary questions for today, for us, and, and for this section that, that, that expands beyond just what we read this morning, but that, that this section of Isaiah is, is really asking, to whom do you go for help? Who's in your corner? And how do you draw upon this strength? I've shared this story before, but man, it's so powerful. It's the story of Valentine's Day of 1884, when not yet President Teddy Roosevelt lost his wife and his mother on the same day, in the same house. Two days prior, his wife gave birth to his first daughter, Alice. The day after Valentine's Day, after saying goodbye to his wife and his mother on the same day, he wrote in his journal, the light has gone out of my life. And the next day he gave his two, three-day-old daughter to his sister, and he left town, and he went to the Dakota Territories. To the Badlands, the picture you see behind me. Everything in his life was wrecked. And he went to one of the most beautiful wastelands in our country. Have you been to a wasteland? A wilderness? Maybe a physical one with beauty like this, or maybe your own wasteland. When everything solid in your life crumbles, have you been to that wasteland? A wilderness, trying to find your way forward, but everywhere you look in your soul is desolate and barren and dried up. And dead. Have you been there? This is where Israel finds itself in the midst of today's reading. There were three vital things to the identity of Israel. It started with Abraham when, when God told Abraham, I'm, I'm sending you to a place, the promised land. Israel's identity, even still in all the geopolitical turmoil of that region, is founded on the fact that, that Israel believes at the core of their identity that this is our land. So the first core component of Israel's identity is a place. But later they're given a promise that not only is the Lord going to give you a place, but he's going to give you a king. And from David and David's line, there will always be a king who's in charge. A place and a king. And the third has been since even before time in so many ways. 
the Israel, the core component of who they are is wrapped up in whose they are. They are the chosen people. They belong to the Lord. So it's a place, it's a king, and it's their Lord. And at this point of Isaiah, as we come into this, that they are in the midst of the Babylonian exile. That means Babylon, another country, came and conquered them and kicked them out. They, they no longer have their place. It's been defeated. It doesn't belong to them anymore. And they don't have a king because what kind of country would overthrow a, another country and say, oh, you can keep ruling? No, they, they've lost their king. And one of the things that Babylon did as they came through, it's bad enough that their army beat Israel's army, which in, in these days it meant your God beat my God. So they're already suffering from a, a crisis of faith. But one of the things that Babylon did is they destroyed their temple, the very throne room, the very place. The footrest of the God of heaven and earth came down and touched in this place and Babylon destroyed it. Their identity is completely wrecked. They've lost their place. They've lost their king. And in so many ways, they've lost their God. You ever struggle with your identity? Who you are, where you are, what you're called to do, how you're called to live. You ever struggle with that? I think questions of identity are some of the biggest questions that our society is wrestling with in the decades to come. Who are you? And whose are you? The world, in our culture, says lots of things about that. I think it's important for us to have a deeper understanding of who you are. And the question of today is, who are you when everything that holds you falls away? Have you been there? That's where Israel is. Completely lost. They're in a wasteland. A wilderness. And we're trying in, in this chapter... To, to figure out who they are again. I don't know, wastelands and wilderness, they, they come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes you do a cannonball into the deep end of a wilderness, right? Sometimes you wade in slowly. And then you open your eyes and you say, wait a second, I don't recognize this landscape, right? Right? Certainly our country and the world was thrown into a wilderness when there were COVID lockdowns and shutdowns. We were all thrown in that together. 
I, I think an equal reality, and, and you know as well as I am, I'm sick of talking about COVID. I haven't talked about it in a while, but I want to tell you that, man, the aftermath of it, it's been rough. Right? The world's different today. And I don't know many people that are not absolutely exhausted. That's a wilderness. Sometimes when you do a cannonball into the deep end of a wilderness, it's, it's in the midst of a doctor's diagnosis, right? It's when a you lose your job, it's when you file for divorce, it's when sometimes it's, it's even when a, a new baby is born or your baby moves off to college or out. I mean, those are all moments and times where we know that there's a transition, but it, man, it sends everything into a little bit of a, an upheaval. Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But sometimes we slowly enter into the wilderness, right? A, a slow drifting apart. You wake up one day and your relationship isn't as strong as it once was. Or it's just month by month by month and the bills stack up and so does the debt that goes with it. Sometimes the wilderness. Sometimes the wilderness is just the selling out of your dreams and caving to the fear that keeps you from chasing after them. We all know wilderness. We all know wastelands. We all know times in our life, seasons in our life, following the death of a loved one, when the landscape of our heart is barren and broken and everything gets flipped over. So I ask you in the midst of this, the same question that Israel was asked, where does your help come from? Where does your help come from when all evidence points and says and whispers to you that you're on your own? Do you believe it? Or can we trust that even when we can't see him, your God is working? Where does your help come from? Because I, I think a lot of times when we get into difficult places and spaces, we can look to all the different elements, all the different places that we can get help from. And, and I hope you, you utilize lots of those resources. There are amazing resources to help. But I want to tell you, Jesus has the best resources. Amen? Jesus has the best resources. He is the one who brings the best. He is the one who does the most. Right? In this midst of this 
crisis that Israel is going through. And, and I'll tell you that, that, that starting in verse 40, or chapter 43 and, and going through verse, or chapter 44, the, the, the image that we have is really a, a, a courtroom drama. That the, the people of Israel are on trial because there's evidence that they've been trying to go to other places to get strength and they haven't been going to the Lord. And so my question for you this morning is, when you're in crisis, what's the evidence when you're put on trial that you place your faith in Jesus? Is there evidence? And so we get to this chapter 44. In the midst of crisis, in the midst of a wasteland, in the midst of complete and utter loss for Israel. And the word that the Lord gives is this. I'm working. I'm not done. I'm not abandoning you. Some of the most beautiful language that we find in the beginning of chapter 44 is that God calls upon Israel, not just as Israel, but he uses intimate language. My children, my sons and daughters, oh Jacob, my servant, Israel whom I have chosen, I haven't forgotten you, is what the Lord says. Man, I tell you, when we are at our worst, there is such power in hearing God say to you, I haven't forgotten you. I'll never forget you. Can you hear that this morning? God hasn't forgotten you. God will not forget you. He remembers you. He remembers how he's claimed you. He remembers how he promised that he is with you and he is for you and he is working in your life. Even when you're stuck in the badlands. He's not done working. He's in the midst of it. And here's the word of hope, I, I think that is just absolutely beautiful. The image we have in chapter 44 is that God comes and brings water onto the barren land. And life springs up. Isn't that beautiful? Well, let me unpack it a little bit more. What the Lord is saying here is the same one that hovered over the face of the deep and brought light out of darkness and brought life from death, is the same one who comes into the midst of your wasteland and says, I can recreate again. You see this land is barren, but I am the creator God, and I am the one who says life. I mean... Isn't there beauty in this? I mean, do you believe that God can water barren ground? 
Do you believe that God can spring up new life in the midst of desolation? Do you believe that God can, can work and bring life where all we see is death? Do you believe? The same one who spoke life into creation can come into your wilderness and your desolate land and say life and bring you back to it. This is our God. This is what he does for Israel. This is what he does for you. He's not done working. He brings about his good. That's his promise. He sets your feet upon the rock. apparently sends messages. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's the, the power of when God says in, in Isaiah 44 that he is the first and the last. Right? The first and the last. That, that reminds us and echoes what, what Jesus tells us from the book of Revelation, that he is the Alpha and the Omega, the A and the Z. But the promise of that is not just that he's the first and the last, but that he's A through Z. That means he's with you in the midst of the pain. He's with you in the midst of the agony. He's with you in the midst of the desolation. And in that he breathes life. I am convinced that the one who spoke life into you can do it again. He will do it again. This is our power and our hope. This is who God is. And here's the important part. What happens when he doesn't? Right? Because we all know people. Maybe we are the people. That live more than just days, more than just seasons in wastelands. But what do we do then? And I think we find our hope. I know we find our hope. As we look to Jesus, who spent plenty of time in the wilderness himself. And we look to Jesus, the one who suffered in the wasteland on a hill called Golgotha and died for you. So that you can live. See, that's the promise of Jesus. That sometimes when our life is judged with ashes, 
and there's desolation and death everywhere we look. You know what our God does with ashes? He turns them into alleluias. That's who our God is. Who takes the death of Good Friday and turns it into the alleluias of Easter morning. This is our hope for you. This is the power of who God is and what God does. Sometimes God brings us through the desolation in strange ways. That's, that's what's coming in the, the, the story of Isaiah. See, Isaiah 45, the next chapter, is when God begins to unleash his plan to bring Israel back to their land. And, and, and I don't want to spend too much time on it other than to say it's surprising. It's incredibly surprising who God uses and what God does. Our God is, he's got the most resources. And sometimes help comes through a variety of ways and a variety of people. But in it, he's working. He never stops working. And so I end with this acronym that was given to me many years ago by a faithful professor. The question you ask when you're in the wilderness is Wigiot. Where is God in all this. You're in the wilderness. God's there too. Look for him. Where's God in all this? In the midst of heartache and heartbreak, where's God in the midst of it? Because he's there. Throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, throughout the story of Jesus, one of his favorite places to be was off by himself in the wilderness. You think he's going to leave you alone in it? No, he's right there in the midst of it with you, walking with it through you. That's who our God is. So look for him. Where is God in all this? He's right in the midst. May you have eyes to see him in the name of Christ.